Here we go. Turning the microphone on. I am going to record book notes. So this is book notes for Luke Burgess's book, Wanting. It is, the subtitle is The Power, so it's Wanting, The Power of Mimetic Desire in Everyday Life. And Luke Burgess, the kind of like core narrative is he was going to sell a company, he spent time in Silicon Valley, was going to sell a company to Zappos, it fell through. He felt good about this in a way that there was release, and he wanted to kind of examine that that failure and why he felt good about something that you should feel bad about general like that's the expectation that you want to sell something or sell a company you feel you would feel good about that but it falls through you should feel bad about that but he felt he got a positive feeling from that and the book is about Rene Girard's philosophy of mimetic desire this is I, I've never I, I had heard about Rene Girard but it was really one of these things where, like, I had no idea really what it was about, what he was about. And I listened to a podcast episode with Ryan Holiday interviewing Luke Burgess about this book, Wanting. And they kind of described it as Ryan Holiday is known for making Stoic philosophy approachable. Actually, but he always mentions how readable the Stoic books are, but he made it even more readable with modern examples. And then he he does make the joke that he's become kind of like this bro, this king of philosophy bros. And he doesn't, he doesn't exactly say that, but he knows that he's self-aware of some of the like negative perspective, per- perception of his books. Then, oh yeah. So the comparison is Luke Burgess, similarly makes Rene Girard his philosophy of mimetic desire more approachable with this book wanting the thing the the difference though here with Rene Girard's writing and the stoic writings or the translations of it is Girard's writing is very dense i remember hearing about it looking up one of his books maybe looking at a sample and it, it was one of those things where it was like i don't know that that I really want to read a textbook that they they even joke about how a lot of times it's as if he doesn't want to just come out and say what he means. So it takes rereadings and I didn't do that. And actually like the, the reason that I was interested in this book, hearing that it makes Gerard's philosophy approachable was just seeing how influential it was because one of his Students, he be, Gerard was a professor at Stanford, and one of his students was Peter Thiel. So Peter Thiel was heavily influenced by him. And then, yeah, just having that understanding and how Peter Thiel looks at the future is he's very, he's been very successful in kind of making things with this vision of the future that he has. And a lot of it is influenced by uh, Gerard's philosophy of mimetic desire and i kind of skipped i said i was going to talk to how i came across it so i kind of knew that and then i took this course last year it was called rite of passage and one of the it was like the first online course cohort not not really the first one i've taken a few different like cohort based courses online this one was about writing and then the interesting thing about this one this was the first course that i took where 
you would attend lectures live. They would have breakout rooms with other students. And usually it was like a meet and greet and you'd talk about, usually it was intros because there's so many students, you're always like meeting new people in every session. And then, yeah, you, you would talk about, anyway, like in one of the first one breakout rooms that I was in, I met someone, he was talking about another student in the class and he was saying like, oh, I've been reading so many books about Girard. And then this other student was writing about Girard very deeply. I think he released a book as well. So this goes to show just like, and I, I'm sitting there like, have you guys heard of the marshmallow study? <laughs> just, I, I just, that was kind of when I realized like, oh, I'm not like, I'm kind of dumb in comparison to any of the classmates and just like generally. Then, yeah, that's when I was like, oh, Gerard, cool. And I, I didn't really like have any understanding up until now, uh, starting to read this book. And I'm really enjoying it so far. I think I'm about halfway through or maybe like a third through and just wanted to record. And first, just, yeah, I just want to recommend this. There was this phrase called Quake Books. I heard that first from... Eric Barker, he's the author of Barking Up the Wrong Tree. One of the first episodes me and Wally did was about Barking Up the Wrong Tree. I think we did actually three episodes. So this was 2017 or 2018. And we had the clever idea to call the third episode Barking Up the Wrong Three. That's why I remember that we did three episodes. So he has one of his like bonus things for pre-ordering the book was a list of his Quake books. And Quake books are the ones that really shifted your perspective on something like many good books will change your mind about something that I would say is kind of the intent of a nonfiction book is to change your mind about something. And yeah, maybe like if you read books on the same topic, then you're kind of just like confirming things you already believe and getting like, yeah, just validating what you believe. Like if I read another habit book, I already kind of know habits are good. Most people know habits are good. So it, maybe it will change your mind about a specific method for building habits. Anyway, so let's see. I, I kind of lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the Qu Quake books. Yeah, just so far, I, like I listened to the intro. It was just talking about how much desire just is all throughout our, our life. And it's unavoidable. You can build awareness of your desires, but you can't just eliminate them. That's not the goal. That's not what he intends to do with this book, but it's more about building that awareness. It reminds me similarly, I always think of this interview with Daniel Kahneman, where he's talking about cognitive bias, and he's been an expert in behavior psychology for decades. And that, yeah, the, the, the person asks, like, oh, does this mean that you, you, know, you don't fall for these things? And he says... No, not at all. It makes him maybe more aware, but and then he can start using the tool sets to fight those things that where his brain is trying to trick him. But it doesn't mean that it, he's just able to avoid them completely. And in the same way, you're not going to be able to just avoid your desires completely. I've I've been talking for like eight minutes now without getting into the book, so I'm going to get into the book now and just I do have some highlights here, so. Yeah, this first one, just talking about René Girard, the title here is A Dangerous Mind. The quote, René Girard, a Frenchman who was a professor of literature and history in the United States, had his first insight about the nature of desire in the late 1950s. 
It would change his life. Three decades later, when Peter Thiel was an undergraduate philosophy major at Stanford, the professor would alter his life too. And then next up, there's this about what mimetic means. I I really didn't understand. I I would see that word and then think, oh, this must have to do with memes. And that comes later. So I have a quote about that later. But in this excerpt, he says, Gerard discovered that most of what we desire is mimetic or imitative, not intrinsic. Humans learn through imitation to want the same things other people want. Just as they learn how to speak the same language and play by the same cultural rules, imitation plays a far more pervasive role in our society than anyone had ever openly acknowledged. The thing that, that's the end of the quote, the thing here is just understand, like, at some point, things like Marie Kondo and Matt Diavella with minimalism, it's kind of looking at your material desires and getting rid of those and the minimalists that's like the netflix documentary that matt diavella is the filmmaker for or the director for and that's like one step is oh okay i can see that yeah like these material desires are things that are bad for me so i'm gonna get rid of those and it's somewhat easy because they're physical objects i mean it's not all it's not always easy because of different attachments to to those things but but you can physically like remove them and remove them from your life but then you still kind of have those mental desires and you learn to kind of like not want to buy things that you don't need but then i remember feeling this way too with like money and things that i'd buy that oh i've i've become enlightened and now i want i want experiences i don't want material things i'm gonna spend my money on experiences that's that's like the right way to go and the thing is that that's desire as well. And you can get to where like you have, it, it can be almost as toxic as like the material desires where you're just chasing these different experiences and then you desire these experiences. And then you think that you, yeah, like you start comparing to, especially with social media, you compare it to other people and you just have this feed of other people that are, seem to be having great experiences all the time and you start to desire that and then it can make you feel badly about like the day-to-day because you can't just constantly be on vacation so yeah just this book does talk about the sources of your desires and it is from other people and there is kind of i was thinking about just like where most of say like my desires came from of course like parents are the first people that we start to imitate. And then I think it it goes like parents and your direct family, then friends, and then eventually like other friends and then coworkers, other people in the same career. And as you're, as you get older and your social circles change, then there's that. But then there's also uh, the different types of media you consume through that and you just find different models of desire. And it can be this thing that you learn to desire what they desire. That my parents want me to have a stable job, buy a house. And then one day I told them, hey, I'm quitting this government job. And this was an announcement to them that I don't have the same desires that they have for me, as an example. But then 
Yeah, so my I, I was I sat down and really like, was trying to think like, oh yeah, where where did these desires come from? And it was definitely like my parents, and then I wanted to have the same desires that my brother had, and then it becomes this thing that oh, I'm, I'm about to become a teenager and things shift, and now I want kind of the opposite of what my brother has, where it's like sibling rivalry in elementary school. I, I wanted to listen to the same music as him. And then in middle school, it was like, oh, no, I want to like create my own identity and yeah, and have my own identity. And this is why my brother, we always joke about how terrible his emails were in middle, like his email address in middle school and high school. And it, you, you can imagine like it's any of those, everyone on AIM and Zanga, like screen names and silly names like that. I, I never had one that was like, I would say, like, yeah, I didn't quite have one that was anything with, like, Asian in it or, like, AZN in it. And I don't think there's... A, like, it's it's funny and funny to laugh at now, but it's fine. Like, people <laughs> had those kinds of emails. And, yeah, and it, it is this thing of I wanted to... But it is like, oh, I want to be different, but kind of, like, abstracted out from that. We both still want to be cool, so you're not really like all that different real like there's only so many ways you want to dress a certain way and that sort of thing and i think i should uh, move on to another another quote but here we go so this topic is called celebristan and freshmanistan and what i have to say is like turtles all the way up is kind of what my takeaway from this is and i'll talk about how i got there so celebristan is something this is a term that luke burgess came up with to explain what Gerard called external mediators of desire. And he says, Celebristan, I'll, I'll read this quote. Um, he says, Rene Gerard calls models in Celebristan external mediators of desire. They influence desire from outside of a person's immediate world. From the perspective of their imitators, these models possess a, sp- a special quality of being. And the idea here is that these are just people completely like, you're not in the same league. You're not going to have an actual rivalry with them. These are celebrities in magazines, that sort of thing. And they can influence your desires. You want to kind of have the same desires as as they do. And this is why marketing works, is that you have these celebrities that people can worship at, at different levels that yeah, I would love to be like an NBA player in in certain ways. And so one way to do that is by buying their shoes, buying their apparel. And then the other model is what he calls Freshmanistan. And here's the quote. Freshmanistan is the world of models who mediate desire from inside our world, which is why Girard calls them internal mediators of desire. There are no barriers preventing people from competing directly with one another for the same things. Between social media, globalization, and toppling of old institutions, most of us are living nearly our entire lives in Freshmanistan. So this is a lot of the reason that you might feel bad. if, Like I mentioned that example before, where you have social media where you can just scroll through, see highlight reels of everyone else. And the thing is that, yes, you probably do have some celebrities that you follow, on social media, but then 
you see people that you know, your friends on social media having these elevated experiences. And let's say you have, yeah, you have a few hundred friends, but then like 10 of them are on vacation right now. And that can seem like, oh, wow, everyone's on vacation right now because only the people that are on vacation are like posting. So it can just seem like that's where like the, you start to com- start to compete. There's a lot of like competition in Freshmanistan. And the reason it's called Freshmanistan is that it is this, that feeling of entering high school or entering college where you're a freshman, you want to stand out, you care about popularity because the models around you, like popularity is this very, very important thing. And it is, and so you want to like figure out a way to do that, or you can also kind of like reject that. And then the thing is that you always find like, you you reject, I don't want to be like someone chasing popularity. And that's a desire too, because you want to be someone who doesn't have that desire. So it, it is this kind of like paradox that you you get rid of a desire and then you start to desire the lack of that desire because you think, oh, that thing's shallow. So I want to be, my desire is to be someone who is not shallow. And it just... Yeah, kind of. Kind of that, that's the reason that it's called Freshmanistan, and it, it can be this thing that social media makes it possible to first, like, okay, so in high school, you can go through high school, great, you become somewhat popular, you graduate, then you enter college. Now you're comparing to these other people, and then you start it all over again, and then you go through college, have different desires, finish college, great graduate, go to your career, and then it starts over again. You're back to kind of being a freshman where there's always this competition. And then you can just keep it going because social media makes it possible. Like even in in a career, like you excel at your company, but then you see things in the media like 30 under 30. Wow. Okay. So now I desire that, that like wild success at an early age. And then you can, yeah, go on to the internet and just see people winning over and over. And it's the thing of people sharing screenshots of, of their like drop shipping sales, sharing screenshots of their portfolio. And you can just constantly compare and then just talking about like the contrast where you reject things so you'll also see people that post screenshots of just all just bleeding just all red right on their stock chart or their portfolio and then it becomes a thing that oh i want to be like that too that i'm so comfortable with my finances that i'll even share like my when i'm losing and that's that's another desire so this is just like desire everywhere different kinds of desire and that can be a tough thing. And I'm going to move into this next quote again. I think I was talking a little too much, just about tangents. Anyway, this was called, why do all hipsters look? Oh, and the reason I said turtles all the way up is that that's the idea that like this comparison can with the internet comparison can just never stop. And you can just always look at higher and higher and higher people. You can succeed all you want until you're comparing yourself to Jeff Bezos financially. And it's like, well, okay, maybe. And it, it, it won't stop strictly by becoming more successful. The treadmill doesn't. That's not how you stop the treadmill. There's probably ways to stop the treadmill, but it's not by, it's definitely not by like increasing the speed on it. So why do all hipsters look alike? This is a quote from the book. 
He says, why do all hipsters look alike and why does nobody identify themselves as one? The answer is mirrored imitation. Mirrors distort reality. They flip the sides on which things appear. Your right hand appears on the left side of the mirror and your left hand appears as if it's on the right side of the mirror. The mirror image is, in some sense, an image of opposites. Mirrored imitation, then, is imitation that does the opposite of whatever a rival does. It is reflexive to a rival by doing something different from what the rival does. And this is that thing where the desire becomes being the opposite of a rival. And like I mentioned, sibling rivalry with my brother, like, oh, I want to dress differently than him. Oh, he's into cars. I'm going to not be into cars. Or, But then definitely like there were other things where I, I definitely wanted to imitate him and it, he was he was making a website i'm very glad i learned to make websites and now we both have careers doing that so that was a case where i'm super grateful that i had that mimetic desire and that and here's another quote it is an unbelieved truth is often more dangerous than a lie the lie in this case is the idea that i want things entirely on my own uninfluenced by others, that I'm the sovereign king of deciding what is wantable and what is not. The truth is that my desires are derivative, mediated by others, and that I'm part of an ecology of desire that is bigger than I can fully understand. The thing, so that's the end of the quote, what this always reminds me of is Hacker News with programmers. Anytime some kind of like marketing topic comes up, they're so insanely against marketing and they think they're above it they have their ad blockers on that sort of thing but you it's and so they want to be like the opposite of that and that's their mimetic desire is to be someone that is logical can think for themselves and is uninfluenced by marketing but at some point they've picked they could take a look at their laptop, their computer, what's inside. And there was some form of marketing that, that influenced them that maybe they don't care about the clothes they wear, but marketing is influencing them. And then at another level too, like with, and this is one of these things where I, th- I thought I've in the past definitely thought like, oh, I'm above this. I, I, I can see through this marketing stuff. Things like iPods, iPhones, Apple devices, AirPods, where like, Right now, a lot of people like some. I don't do this quite as much anymore, but I, I used to like read the comments in Slick Deals a lot. And anytime it was kind of like hate reading, I guess, just to make myself feel outraged, I would read like the comments on like an AirPods deal. And then, of course, there's people in there that are like, "Oh, look at all these sheep! They bought these just to want, or just because they want to look cool. Instead, they look stupid." Blah blah blah. And it was this thing where I would you know scoff and think like, "Oh no." They don't understand what it like, how smooth the ecosystem is, and how great of a listening experience it is, and how seamless it is to like switch devices when I have AirPods, and or like with my iPod, like oh no, they don't know. Like, it's not just because it looks cool; it's because just like the experience is good on it, and and that sort of thing. And they'll never understand. And that was me with my desire was to, and this isn't to say there's definitely like a lot of people. I would say that, that buy AirPods because it's trendy. And I, I wanted to think, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing that because it's trendy. That was my desire is like, oh, I don't want to. So that, that is, it is one of these things where I wanted to be like, I guess, a hipster or like uh, non-conforming. Like I was conforming, but not for the same reasons as, as other people. So yeah, the, the idea that 
you're uninfluenced by marketing or that like marketing is this evil thing. I, I think that, yeah, like marketing used <laughs> is, I think it's a very powerful thing. And it's that thing of like, with great power comes great responsibility. Now I feel like a, a Spider-Man ad and I'm going to go into this next excerpt. It is about what I mentioned, memes and memetics and uh, anyway, that they are different things. Uh, so let's see. So this is the quote. Dawkins' theory of me... Uh, I'll start from the beginning. Richard Dawkins coined the word meme in his book, The Selfish Gene. He was attempting to explain the spread across time and space of non-material things such as ideas, behaviors, and phrases. He called these things memes, cultural units of information that spread from person to person through a process of imitation. Dawkins' theory of memes and Gerard's theory of mimetic desire both view imitation as foundational to human behavior. However... The two theories are different in almost every respect. According to Dawkins, memes work in a similar way to biological genes. Their survival depends on their being passed on and replicated as perfectly as possible. Here we go. And then, actually, I, I'm going to skip a little bit. I feel like I'm reading like too much, too much. So he said, okay, here we go. According to meme theory, the spread of memes through imitation leads to the development and sustainability of culture. According to Girard's theory, mimetic theory, culture is formed primarily through the imitation of desires, not things. And desires are not discrete, static, and fixed. They are open-ended, dynamic, and volatile. My takeaway from this is that we've seen just like the power of memes, meme stocks, what Elon Musk can do with a meme and yeah, just that memes can be very powerful. And then also on the other side, mimetic desire and having an understanding of it. And like I said, like it's, it's kind of like a foundational thing to marketing and marketing is this uh, very powerful force in our lives that these are two skills that you can build that if you can be effective, if, if you were able to be, I mean, NFTs have made, it like put a monetary value on some memes in a way where someone will that was in like the photo like there's the that like meme of the girl with the burning house and yeah i think she had like some nft and, and got paid out and that is just the thing that they're very valuable so learning to make those is a good skill and then mimetic desire being able to create and master that and influence other people. It's like influencers and content creators and there's some overlap and it is a very valuable set of skills. So last quote, because this is almost half an hour, he does have this small section about mimetic desire. That's very close to me and talking about my brother and that I wanted to listen to the same music he listened to in middle school, elementary school and his favorite artist was Tupac. I remember him crying when we heard the news that Tupac died. And I think I must have been in third or fourth grade. And I was like, why is my brother crying? Um, so sad about this. And now I, I understand. Like, this is your hero dying. So, yeah, it just talks about the mimetic, just the imitation that, that took place where West Coast rapper makes fun of an East Coast rapper. And then I'll just read this quote. The East Coast, or in 1993, Sean Combs signed the Notorious B.I.G. 
to his upstart record label, Bad Boy Records. Biggie's song, Who Shot Ya, released on the B-side of a single, was interpreted by young West Coast rapper Tupac Shakur as mocking him. Tupac had recently been the victim of a gunpoint robbery during which he was shot. Shortly after, he was signed to the controversial music label Death Row Records, and I'll, I'll summarize this part. Escalating conflict ensued. Eventually, this rivalry ended with both of them dying separately like getting shot um i think within months of each other so and it is an interesting thing too that then tupac became kind of this mimetic figure for other rappers to follow if you were going to be like this i guess like any kind of like up-and-coming rapper would he wouldn't be the the worst person to to follow in the footsteps of if you want to build a huge fan base because it is this mimetic desire of so there, there's a story in this book just talking about steve jobs his early years and how like just examples like he wouldn't shower he would like leave to yeah he would kind of do his thing and he just seemed to have some immunity to the mimetic desires that other people have of, oh, I want to have good hygiene and have this nice appearance and be polite and that kind of thing. And it was, so it can be this thing where it's impressive when you see other people who don't have those desires. And sometimes it's, it's not impressive. So, you know, the people that like, oh, I, I, I don't care what other people think about me. And anyone that says that very much wants people to think that about them. That's a, like a Game of Thrones line but but yeah th- this is yeah back to Tupac Tupac and Steve Jobs so Tupac is this he would create yeah and he was a mimetic figure in that it seemed like oh he doesn't care about the rules of society and wow that looks really cool we and of course like throughout culture we love rebels. There's like, yeah, all sorts of different rebellious figures. And it's always going to be a character in stories forever and ever, because we do idolize people who don't follow society's rules and that kind of thing. Anyway, this is pretty long and I'll probably do a second part because really enjoying this book. I think I mentioned Quake books. So this is definitely like shaping up to be one of those quick books for me where at least for this week yeah i'm just looking at like oh why, why do i desire this thing or that thing? like why am i even making this podcast why why do i have this yeah why why did i buy all these things and as an example i i bought this free right uh, to close with i bought this free right traveler and it's just this keyboard with a paper ink screen and i love writing on it and i think the reason that i bought it was and this is the thing like what do you want? It's like the five whys. Just rephrase it a little bit. Like, what did you want? I'm going to just talk to myself. So what did I want with buying the free write traveler? I think what I wanted was focused sessions of writing. And I, the reason I want that is because I think that can lead to like creating content, but also it can be meditative. So I want to have that feeling as well and then you can just keep going with the the different wants similar to like the five whys that it can go all the way up to oh okay i i want this and that and that and it leads up to like oh i want to be happy and have like a financial freedom and that will come through like a foundation of writing and that that sort of thing anyway thanks for listening and check out the book wanting by luke burgess